So I'm going to get to it. We're talking about anger. You guys are excited about it. I can tell. Sweet. Here we go. We're going to get after it. Everyone experiences anger at some point in their lives. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you mad, bro? You angry? There are some things. In this series, we've already looked at the fact that Jesus got mad. And what did he get mad about? And how did he get mad? And how did he exercise that? And how is his perfect, righteous anger so different than our imperfect, self-righteous anger? And then we're looking at some of the roots. And last week, we talked about the fact that anger starts inside. Jesus said, it isn't the stuff outside of you that makes you unclean. It's what comes from within. And so we need a heart change, right? We talked about a transplant. We just flat out need Jesus to set us free. But you have to come to the conclusion that you need to be set free. And uh, I love what God cooks up to get us to look up. He said we could pick his brain if we just pick his book up. All right, I'm done with the rhyming. But <clears throat> that wasn't mine. That, that's from the cross movement. But. We're also, in the next couple of weeks, going to delve into some hidden anger stuff. Stuff that maybe we don't necessarily recognize as anger. Maybe cynicism, or a little bit of sarcasm, or maybe even doubt. And so with that, Jesus said is what we've based this whole year on, and we're going off of what he said. I do have a few other things that we're going to look at in the scriptures that weren't necessarily straight out of Jesus' mouth, but since he's the living word of God, he trusts and believes and lived out the word. So we're going to talk today about pride and anger. And if at the very second you thought somebody else needs to hear this, that's probably for you. <laughs> so here we go. What are some verses that come to your mind when you think of pride? Say it. Go ahead. Pride becomes for a fall, right? What else? You guys are like, well, if I say I know it, but I'm still prideful, then Aaron's going to point that out. No, that would be very prideful of me to point that out. Gosh, these are the things, right? The lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. We focus so much on other things and other people. Yeah. Any other passages come to mind when you think of pride? Amen, and we will get there for sure. The Lord opposes the prideful, but gives grace to the humble. That seems like a pretty good thing to focus on. Here, a few that you guys brought up. Proverbs 16 to 18 is one that really is probably the main one that people think. Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. We don't use the word haughty all that often, but it's self-absorbed thinking super highly of ourselves. Now, some of you call your wife haughty or your husband haughty or whatever. Different haughty entirely. Entirely. Okay. Proverbs 11.2. Just a few chapters before this. says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. And then, as Adedayo said, we're going to go to James 4.6 really quick. We've quoted James, Jesus' little brother, just about every time we've had an opportunity to talk about him. And I love that because his brother at first didn't believe in Jesus, and then when Jesus died and rose from the dead, his tune changed. He was humbled. Check this out. James 4, 6. But God, 
he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. But what did Jesus himself say about pride? What did he do about it? I cannot give you an exhaustive uh, look because there's so much that he talked about. We're going to look at a couple of things. If you'll join me in Luke 18, 9 through 14, we're going to talk a little bit and see what Jesus had to say about people thinking really highly of themselves. While you're turning to Luke 18, and we're going to go 9 through 14, I want to maybe let you know what pride isn't, okay? Pride that we're talking about today isn't the, hey, I did a good job. Hey, you did a good job. I'm really proud of you. There's a good pride, right? It's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about that which puffs us up, makes us think that we're such an amazing deal. And so we're going to talk about the opposite of pride, which is what? Humility. Yeah. You know what humility isn't? It isn't saying, I suck. I'm nothing. I am just a speck of dust in the wind. Do you know what you're thinking about when you're saying those things? You, right? So that kind of low self-esteem is not humility. It kind of looks a little bit like that, but humility is where it's not about you at all. But this low self-esteem that I'm terrible, I'm lame, nothing ever good happens, I have the opposite of the Midas touch, everything I touch turns to dookie. That is pride having a bad day, but it's still pride. So, let's... Some of what we are and aren't going to be talking about. More importantly, let's go to what Jesus said. Luke 18, 9 through 14. He also told this parable, it's a story with a point, to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. If this parable, again, is for somebody else in your life, you might be the one who's being prideful. Do other people need to hear this? You bet. But take a look within, right? So Jesus told this story, this parable, for those who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. They had it all together and treated others with contempt. Jesus said, Two men went up to the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee, who was a spiritual leader. He would have had a, a playing card, right, with his name and face on it if that was a thing back then. They were a big deal. So there's a Pharisee, and then the other tax collector. We're still barely in the month of April, so you can say, yeah, boo on the IRS. Boo on tax collectors. But these guys were even worse. They took money from their people and they used the Roman government, the soldiers, to extort money from them. So they're the polar opposites in so many ways. But especially what that community would have considered righteousness. Okay? A religious leader and a hated tax collector. So this is how Jesus sets it. They both go to the temple to pray. By the way, if you're not a Christian and you came here and you're feeling like a phony or you're feeling like whatever, so glad you're here. Everybody's welcome. No matter where you're at with the Lord, we're glad you're here. We want you to know Jesus and follow Jesus, but the reality is you're here and may his word set you free. All right, so the Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed to himself. 
thus. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, Jesus said. But he beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified, just as if he'd never sinned, rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. What did Jesus say about pride? How about this one? Everyone who exalts himself or herself makes themselves seem so amazing, puts themselves up on a pedestal, will be humbled. But the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Here's four words that you might have heard before. It's not about you. But boy, do we make it about us. My uncle passed away a couple of, almost three Mondays ago now. And a lot of you guys are praying, and I'm so thankful for that. But I've noticed something on his um, little program that talked about the order of the service. My new friend, who's technically related to me by marriage, put my name on there super big. And you guys, oftentimes pastors, teachers, leaders, coaches, they want it to be about them. I am not great at being humble. Pride is probably my native tongue. But I know that the Holy Spirit is doing something in me when I looked at that and was like, dang it. I don't... I, She's like, what's your title? And I'm like, say Gump's nephew. That's my title. That's who I am. I don't, you guys, it's rare that I'm going to introduce myself. Hey, Craig, I'm Pastor Aaron. Kiss the ring. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it's pretty, pretty clear that it's inside of me. There's been times where I've never said, you should call me Pastor Aaron, but I'm like, you should give me way more respect. And I make it about me. And Jesus said, it's not about you. Don't, don't focus on you. And so what else did he say? Let's go to Matthew 20, 20 through 28. For some of you, this is very familiar territory. And for some of you, you've never heard it before. And for all of us, there's something good from what Jesus said about pride. Matthew 20, 20 through 28. <laughs> Follow this. This is beautiful. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee, who are James and John, these are disciples of Jesus. The mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to Jesus with her sons and kneeling before him, this is pretty humble, she asked him for something. And he said to her, what do you want? She said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit 
one at your right hand and one at your left in your kingdom. We know that you're the boss. We know that you're the king. We know you're the Messiah. We know that you're coming into your kingdom where nothing will ever fail. All I want is my boys to sit one at your right hand and one at your left. No big deal. These dudes asked their mama to ask him. That seems humble-ish. Jesus answered, You do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm to drink? And in another book, he says, Be baptized with the baptism I'm going to be baptized with? Like, are you able to die like me? Are you able to live like me? Are you able to serve like me? And their quick answer is, Yeah, we're able. You bet. And so he says to him, you will drink my cup. You guys are going to suffer. But to sit at my right hand and my left hand is not mine to grant. Now, he is the king of kings. He's God the son. And he says, it's not my job to say who does that. He's humbled himself. And when the other 10 disciples heard it, they were indignant. They were mad. Church, what do you think they're mad about? Their pride jumped up. What, what were they thinking? Yo, we should have got our mama out here. Now we're in line. Dang. But Jesus called them to him. He's like, tighten it up, tighten it up. I got a message for you guys. Come on. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man, that's a title for the Messiah, for himself, Jesus, the King of Kings. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Dear friends, if it's not about you, it really is about Jesus. I will say, and we're going to read in just a second here, that it's about others as well. But first and foremost, it's about Jesus. Where's your focus, right? What are you about? Who are you about? And if Jesus came to serve and not be served, and if it's good enough for Jesus, and that means it's good enough for me, then I need to make it not about me. Sitting among us today are a bunch of prideful people who make it about themselves. Don't look around. <laughs> it's you. <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm way less prideful than she is. In my humble opinion, too late. <laughs> it's about Jesus. I want to bring you to, to Philippians 2, 3 through 11. This was considered an old song. It was amazing. It is about Jesus, not out of the mouth of Jesus, but it's very, very, very good, very much for us. I mean, shoot, these guys were mad. The brothers were mad. Not the brothers are mad. The guys were mad because the brothers asked. And Jesus like, don't make it about you. Actually serve one another. Could you imagine if we did, like Paul said, we went out of our way to be in a competition to be kind to one another. 
Like, I'm going to try and outdo you in kindness. Jesus says, you want to be great? Become the least among you. You want to be considered amazing? You need to serve everybody. Here's what happens when you serve everybody. You stop thinking about you. And therein lies greatness, Jesus says. Like you and I would make it about helping others. Well, what if I go without food? <laughs> hmm. Some of you know what that's like. Most of us could go without food. But I just don't want to give too much of my money, and then I'll have to pay or ask somebody for money. I wonder, in this room, if we're just being honest, how many of us have been so generous that we had to do without some of you have, not just mommies, like he said. <laughs> Although, yes, very often, you guys, that poor mommy's probably in the bathroom. <laughs> Can I get a minute? <laughs> no. My, you don't have to teach pride to kids, by the way. <laughs> They're born with it. We all are. But here's the point. If Jesus is our example, then we need to be like him. You won't be like him just by going to school and learning about him. You won't be like him by just picking up the Bible. Now you can learn lots. You actually, by his spirit, have to humbly submit to him and say, you're the king and I'm not. You're the Lord and I'm not. I want you. I don't want me. God, help me with my unbelief. Help me. I need you. If you say you're a sinner, that means you need a savior. And he's the one. And so right here with Philippians 2, 3 through 11, we find out what he's like and how we can actually live this out by his spirit. Here we go. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Whew. Nothing. I got some room to improve. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Look at how kind that is. Look, you've got to take care of yourself. Jesus even said, second most important commandment means that you need to love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's important that you love yourself. Well, many of us got that one down. We're like, yeah, I've got to take care of me. I mean, it's even in the, when you're on the airplane. You've got to put on the oxygen first for you, and then you help people. Yeah, some of you got your oxygen. you got your stretches in. <laughs> Got a couple of drinks. You're good. Oh, now I'll help some people. Like, it's good to love yourself. Please, understand that. Especially if you're somebody who's constantly giving of yourself. But I don't really feel like that's usually the problem for most of us. We're taking good care of ourselves. Not mentally, necessarily, certainly not spiritually, but we get food before people. We do all this. And some of you moms are like, I haven't eaten a warm meal in I don't know how long. You might be like Kathy, where you heat up your coffee six or seven times. <laughs> Somebody said amen. But don't just look to your own interests. Also the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. I like that. I memorized it in the NIV. And it's how, 
your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Hey, friends, we got attitudes, right? Well, your attitude should be like that of Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, he's God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped or held onto for his advantage. This is Jesus. He's the big deal. He's the one who spoke and everything leapt into existence, and he became a human, it says. He emptied himself, verse 7, by taking the form of a servant. He became a slave, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself, emptied himself, humbled himself, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. Do you remember what his little brother said? You humble yourself, you'll be exalted. You exalt yourself, you'll be humbled. I'm going to call this out in myself, and maybe you can relate. I'm like, okay, so if I humble myself, then God's going to exalt me. And so your motivation for humbling yourself is that you would be exalted? Uh, You're missing a point, friend. I mean, it's just, it's not about you. God is the lifter of your head. He hasn't gone, oh, man, Sultan. Gosh, that sounds familiar. Ah, it doesn't come to mind, but I mean, maybe there's people there. He knows you. He sees you. He knows your situation. Well, then why hasn't he changed it? I don't know. It could be that he's trying to change you and not your circumstance. But here we go. Since he humbled himself to death, even death on a cross, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. (laughs) One day Jesus comes back. One day every knee bows. One day every tongue confesses. Some of us are getting a head start. We're not waiting for that. There's been things. There's been hardships. There's been suffering. There's been challenges. There's been the kindness and the goodness of God that he allows you to breathe. There's been this baby that's come into your life. There's been this woman, this man. There's been a job. There's been shoes. There's been whatever. His kindness has led you to repentance and you're recognizing him. That's always about shoes. I'm sorry. I like... (laughs) But here's the thing, friend. It's about him. Amen. You got I mean, you're breathing because he said so. And so you humble yourself and, and you submit to him and you celebrate him and you want him. And that includes following him and doing what he says. This week I read an article that was from 2015. A guy named Reverend, I love that, Reverend Josh Squires. In this article that he wrote for Desiring God, it was called Pride is Your Greatest Problem. Reverend Josh Squires is a counselor and a pastor, and he takes care of a congregation in South Carolina along those lines. He said, here's three questions to ask in dealing with your pride and your anger. He said a number of people come to him and say, I've got a problem. And it presents itself as serious problem in marriage, at work, in driving, in parenting, all of it. 
He said it like this. While the presenting problems vary widely, the problem which all too often muddles counseling from the very beginning is pride. And the only answer is Holy Spirit-enabled, Jesus-centered humility. And so here's three questions that he says to ask. Whose sin are you focused on? Whose sin needs to be brought into the light, repented of, and ultimately killed? Most of us answer, not mine, but yours. Everybody else's. You know, this started with the very first person that existed. His name? Anybody remember? Adam, right? Who was his wife? Do you remember that he spit lyrics when she first came out? <laughs> he started singing. Oh, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She's hot. Whoa, man. <laughs> Woo. Yeah. And then there's this tree that they weren't supposed to eat from. And he told her because God told him. And she ate from it. And then he ate from it. And then God says, did you eat from that tree? Yeah, it's a woman you sent me. Who did he blame? He blamed God first and then Eve. He's like, he's not focused on his own sin. He's focused apparently on God's sin. That, what? And then hers? Well, it was that woman. Hmm. Check it out. Romans 8.13 8, has a really good way to uh, address our own sin. It really breaks things down for us in a way that really doesn't need much more elaboration. Will I elaborate? Probably a little bit, but not too much. Romans 8, 13. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. It's pretty straightforward, right? But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Friends, I get it. There's some things that God calls us to do that I wish he didn't call us to do. Forgiveness has been one of those things. Humbling myself has been one of those things. Like telling people where you're at is going to end in a bad spot. Like humbly coming to somebody and they're like, shut up. You don't tell me what to do. You're not the boss of me. Who died and made you king? Nobody, but the king who died and rose from the dead has made it really clear what's right and what's wrong. But we don't want to talk about that sometimes because we don't want to be alienated. We're really, really scared. Which is next week. We'll talk about fear next week. But whose sin are you focused on? First question. And the answer is usually others. And Paul says right here, hey, don't focus on you. Like, give up the flesh. Give up those desires, right? The second question. What is the focus of your joy, security, and contentment? What do you get security from? What do you get peace from? What do you get joy from? What do you get comfort from? Generally, not the glory of the gospel, because gospel is somebody died for you, and he calls you to die to yourself. But usually it's in some event, something, or person. If only I made more money. 
If only I had more power. If only there was more sex. If only there was less sex. If only there was somebody who cleaned my house other than me. If I had better kids, a better house, a better dog, whatever, you name it, anything but Jesus. If you find your security or think you find your security anywhere else than Jesus, you will not find comfort, joy, peace, or security. I would love to tell you there's a different way. I know you've heard me say this before, but plenty of times we say, oh gosh, money cannot buy you happiness. All right, but we're going to give it another shot. One more time. This time with meaning. 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9. Though you have not seen Jesus, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him. And you rejoice with joy that's inexpressible and filled with glory. Obtaining the outcome of your faith which is the salvation of your souls. You and I, when we focus for contentment, joy, peace, any fulfillment apart from Jesus, we won't get it. It won't satisfy. We're going to try, but it won't satisfy. Some of us are going to focus on Jesus so he'll change our wife, or he'll change our husband, or he'll change our kids, or he'll change the world. Jesus, I'll follow you if you do this. This is being said very clearly. You focus on him with inexpressible joy because he's the only savior. He's the only hope. So what is your focus? Is it outside of Jesus or is it him? And then the final question. Who should be the focus of my serving? Many of us are like me, of course. The world? Mm-mm. Others, mm -mm. God himself, mm -mm. all of those exist to serve me. What are you doing for me? What have you done for me lately? My mom used to say, Aaron, you're so vain. I bet you think this song is about you. <laughs> I told her one day, and I got in an argument with my little brother. I got in an argument with Kathy. I got in an argument with a couple of teachers. I got in an argument with my coach. And then I went to get gas and I got in an argument with somebody there. I was like, what's wrong with everybody today? <laughs> She's like, baby, maybe it's not everybody. I'm like, you too, mom? What's wrong with everybody? You guys, Jesus said the focus of serving would be to glorify him, would bring honor to him, to help others. You should look to the needs of others, not just your own. Why do you serve? To get something in return? What if you don't get the change out there that you're looking for? Would you serve anyways? Well, friends, not even Jesus came to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. If it's good enough for him, it's good enough for us. So whose sin are you focused on? What's the focus of your joy, security, and contentment and peace? And who should the focus of my serving be?
If you're focused on your sin, you're going to start to deal with it. And the only way to deal with it is to give it over to the Lord. If you're focused on your own joy, security, contentment, and peace, you won't find it. And you certainly won't care about other people. But if you start to look to other people to help them and to bless them, you actually will find that joy, security, peace, contentment. And who should the focus of your serving be? God and others. So how do we move towards Jesus? Some of you just straight up need to humble yourself right now, confess that Jesus is the Lord, believe that God raised him from the dead, and you'll be saved. Some of you, you don't know. I mean, all of us don't know when our last breath is, but it could literally be around the corner for you, and you've been playing footsies with God. You've been putting him off. I'll get there, will you? Today's the day of salvation, the word says. So humble yourself. That's the first step. Moving towards him is humility. The gospel is good news, but it's bad news first. Like you need a savior. So today, friend, submit your life to him. Others of you have done that, but you need to repent right now of making life all about you. In your marriage or your lack of marriage, in your relationships, you need to get rid of your comfort zone. You need to get rid of having to cling to your rights. There are people, and I told you it's not making it political, but there's people that are going to show up at a national day of prayer, whether it's here or some other thing, and they're going to pray against Joe Biden. <laughs> Why don't we pray for revival? Why don't we pray for God to be... Look, if God is addressed as God and he is worshipped as God, then Joe Biden, all anybody else, has to humble themselves. We need Jesus. Straight up. And maybe we think one person will usher Jesus in more than the other. You know what? It starts with you. It starts with you. Humble yourself. But to some of you, the step of moving towards Jesus is repentance. Some of you, you have repented, you're loving God, you're just, serving others is just a little too much. It just feels like a lot. Too much too soon. So, today, you commit to serving others. Yeah, the church, but man, at your house, at your workplace, at school. Commit to serving others. Put others' needs ahead of your own. Commit to listening to others before they have to listen to you. I got a lot to say. You should listen to me. That would be a pride thing. How about understanding others before you seek to be understood? How about helping others? For some of you, you need to look to help others who can't help themselves. You've helped a lot of people because you know maybe they can be, scratch your back a little bit. I don't know. You go and do for people who may never even say thank you or even know that you helped. Maybe they need assistance and you're just the woman to do it. Finally, this seems so self-serving. It's not. I can only tell you that from my heart. You do whatever you want with it. Some of you have been like, stupid parking lot. Why? That's dumb. We built a hospital in Africa and now we want $45,000 to fix a dumb parking lot? 
It's stuff we walk on, we drive on, we park on, the kids play on, people look at. It's falling apart. And those envelopes, all 175 more of them sit there. And you're like, I'm not putting my money towards that. Okay. But could this possibly be one of those times where you say no to yourself and yes to something else? Where you say no to a, a bigger meal that's going to cost way more than you'd put in that envelope. And maybe just take a break from that. Maybe coffee at home. Oh, watch your mouth. <laughs> I'm getting a meddling now. Stop it. Some of you are like, yeah, I've been thinking about quitting chewing or smoking. <laughs> I'll do it later. Maybe you do it now. You guys, it, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity. Serving here is an opportunity. Serving elsewhere is an opportunity. Giving is an opportunity. It doesn't make you saved. It doesn't earn you anything. But it does change your attention and your focus. Especially if you do it for the right reason. Okay, we got kids downstairs. One kid's still asking where his mom is. You might be here. <laughs> Gotta let you go. I love you guys. I'm super thankful to be a part of this life with you. I'm really grateful that you're going to have an opportunity to live this out today. Because pride, it's coming. But so is humility. I'll finish this up. If you go to Colossians 3, you're going to learn a lot about new outfits, like what to put on. And humility is in there. And I'll let you know, even though if you exalt yourself, you will be humbled, everywhere in the Bible except that verse is us putting humility on ourselves. Nobody can make you humble. You got to choose it. And if you're married, you'll have a chance today. <laughs> if you got kids, you have a chance today. If you drive, not just in this junky parking lot, but anywhere, you're going to have a chance today to be humble or prideful. And when you're prideful, repent. And when you're humble, don't say, I was so humble. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Father, thank you. We want to move towards your son. We want to live for your glory and some of us, Lord, today has been the day where we submit to you, and this is the first day of the rest of forever living for you. Some are just trying to figure out, what do I do with all of what I heard? Jesus, would we do what you call us to do? Would we humble ourselves? Would we be like you? Would we let it be about you and others and know that you'll take care of us in the process? God, you're awesome in every way. We love you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.